Well, inflation is coming down faster than expected, not just in Australia, but that was certainly the big news yesterday. It's the quarterly PCE number in the States. That was also lower than expected, and the same with German CPI. An early Christmas present? Well, certainly the move to bonds continues, with yields still falling. So what's expected now? The US is still looking for a May rate hike. Can we really still expect the RBA to be lifting rates next year? And is the hawkishness from the RBNZ all bravado? Well, lots of data today to try and influence thinking on all of that. It's Thursday the 30th of November 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. An ever so slight rise in the US dollar today on the DXY. The Aussie dollar is down more than half a percent to 66.1 US cents. The euro down 0.2%. The pound also down, but only just, in fact, it was been on the rise for most of the session. Shares were up in the US as well till the last hour. Then the S&P turned down 0.1% and the Nasdaq down 0.2%. The Dow only just managing to stay in the green um, and real estate and banks doing the best today. Consumer staple utilities and energy well down in europe the euro stocks 50 closed up half percent the FTSE 100 down 0.4 percent and small falls in bond yields well they were small they've picked up a bit actually down six basis points for 10-year treasuries down six in germany and france as well down eight in the uk aussie 10 years fell 14 basis points yesterday to 4.36 percent and no real movement on futures since then and oil is higher and picking up as well up 1.8 percent for wti 1.7 percent for Brent up over 83 a barrel now. So, a pleasant surprise, I guess, in the monthly CPI for Australia. Here's NAB's Gavin Friend joining us from London. So, inflation growing at 4.9% for the year, down from 5.6%. That's the headline rate. But there is a cautionary tale here, isn't it? Because it's all to do with the sample. It's that monthly number, and uh, the sample rotates a little from month to month, doesn't it? Yeah, good morning, Phil. That's right. I mean, if we just look back at those sort of headline numbers, you know, excluding fuel, fruit and veg and uh, travel, it was 5.1 from 5.5. Goods disinflation remains on track. But as you you know, you're right. And as my colleagues have been pointing out, this is that uh, sort of first report in the in the month in the quarter uh, for Q4 where we don't get much detail on services for that. We need to wait until the November the November report, which doesn't come out till the 10th of Jan, uh, we'll get the full Q4 CPI, of course, later that month on the 31st of Jan, and then the RBA follows on the 6th of Feb. So, you know, we need to get a bit more detail on on that uh, before we can uh, run the slider all over whether this has got any, you know, implications for the RBA. And of course, before that, um, it's uh, it's next week, it's Q3 GDP, which will be the, the focus, and we're getting the uh, GDP partials over the next few days. Interesting stuff, isn't there? So what out of those numbers, I mean, we saw 1.5% fall in clothing, uh, rising food costs up 5.3%. Uh, gas inflation has been rising quite quickly. That was up 13%, but uh, everything else quite tame in comparison to that. But uh, as we say, you know, it's just a sample, isn't it? It's just one month. And yet I'm sure a lot of people are getting excited about this, saying this is it. This is the sign. Inflation's on the way down. The RBA doesn't have to do any more. But we are still thinking, no, there's going to be another rate hike next year. Is that still the NAB view? Yeah, indeed it is. Yes, another 25 to 4.6. It is, you know, we we talk about Australia being slightly out of sync with some of the other economies around the world or slightly behind 
in that regard. But it's still the same story that goods inflation, the big falls have, have handled on that. In some places, goods inflation has, got, has moved into deflation, outright price falls. It is the services bit, which you know everybody is, is tired of reading about, is the sticky bit and is the bit that's going to take time. And so, you know, for that, we, we, we need to we need to wait on the calendar. And RBNZ on hold, but it's fair to say it was a hawkish hold, wasn't it? So let me quote, the committee is confident that the current level of the OCR is restricting demand. However, ongoing excess demand and inflationary pressures are of concern, given the elevated level of core inflation. And they are particularly worried about soaring immigration, which, of course, can add to wage pressures and add to aggregate demand. So that is uh, one thing that they are watching closely. That seems like a common story as well, doesn't it? The fact that immigration has bounced back so quickly in many parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, a, a hawkish pause was generally expected from the RBNZ, not least because inflation, the inflation decline seemed to be on track. The market had two rate cuts priced for uh, next August and next November. But there were questions, of course, on, on immigration, even before we heard from Governor Orr, uh, on housing, on tax. Obviously, well, the new government's just come in, lots of sort of unanswered questions and how that's going to pan out. But to your point, in the event, they came out, I think probably more hawkish than most were expecting. Uh, and, and they now think there's a greater than 50-50 chance of another hike. I think that was generally unexpected, given that things were playing out, panning out quite well. To your point, I think it looks like um, the, 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 the RBNZ has been spooked by the pace of immigration and that this could boost demand rather than be deflationary via the impact on the labour market, i.e. a larger pool of available workers all pushed down on on, on wages. I think um, we need to wait and see. Um, you know, th- there was certainly no talk in this report of easing. Um, and as a result, my colleagues at BNZ have pushed back their first cut from, uh, from May to August next year. And inflation coming down in Europe as well. It's a day for it, isn't it? So we get the full Eurozone number today. But uh, yesterday, Germany's CPI year on year, the headline rate down from 3.8% in October to 3.2%, 3.5% was expected. I mean, we actually saw deflation minus 0.4% month on month. So that was a surprise. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, you know, inflation in the Eurozone has made some great downward moves in the last couple of months. We've come from above 5% in the Eurozone to 2.9%. Um, Germany, as you say to that to that point today, you know, Bigger than expected declines. Um, even the core was down uh, to 3.8 on the national basis. EU harmonised basis likely fell another half a percentage point to 3.7. We saw similar kind of moves in Spain, down 0.6 on the month, down probably 0.7 on a core basis. If we if we if we sort of you know take that as a reading, because you don't get much detail in this preliminary report. Remember. These are numbers for November. We're running ahead of the US here, which is we're going to get later today, the uh, the PCE report, which, of course, is for October. So in these preliminary November numbers, we don't get an awful lot of detail, but the story is a good one. Um, and, you know, it's energy prices, it's package holiday prices, not a lot of detail on services. Again, similar story to Australia. Stickiness is likely there in areas like healthcare, communications, hospitality. One thing we should just bear in mind is um, moving away from what we're going to get later today for the Eurozone. Uh, as we go forward, the next couple of months in Europe, uh, the base effects start to just switch back the other way. There's quite a big base effect rise coming from Germany next month just because of a 40% fall in energy prices last year, and that drops out of the equation. Similar moves elsewhere in Europe. So the next couple of prints could be a little bit higher, 
um, before things from, say, February next year really start to drop off again and we come well below three, probably below two at some point during Q2, Q3. Um, and that's that's the big story that's driving sort of rate cuts and things. Swinging it back to today, um, you know, we had thought that maybe those base effects might sort of muddle with a headline, but clearly on these lower uh, numbers we've seen, uh, you know, on Wednesday from Spain and Germany, the headline does look like it's going to come down another couple of tenths from 2.9 to 2.7. And I think more importantly, really, it's that core rate. That core rate starts to come down again, we think from 4.2 to the high threes. You know, that's all going to come out uh, three and a half hours before the US number, which, of course, has been well trailed by the CPI report two weeks ago and uh, expectations of a, a fairly benign reading there. And that's what's driving markets. And uh, of course, we also got the second estimate of GDP and core PC prices uh, yesterday as well in the United States. A bit of, I mean, it was a touch of Goldilocks about this, wasn't there? Because, you know, we've been talking about uh, softer data coming out of the US, but the second estimate of GDP growth for the third quarter has been upgraded from 5% to 5.2%, which is well up on 2.1%, which is where it was in Q2. And core PC prices, Q on Q, have been revised down from 2.4% to 2.3%, which is well down on 3.7%, which is where they were in Q2. So hopefully faster growth, lower prices. Um, you know, that 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 is the definition of Goldilocks. It is, but uh, I'll take I'll take the uh, the lower prices. Uh, but if we look at the makeup of where the growth was coming from, it was in inventories. That's not reliable. It was also an investment, which is a good thing. But uh, if you look at the personal consumption contribution, I mean, uh, personal consumption came in lower uh, than the, than the advanced uh, reading of GDP, and therefore the contribution that it made was smaller. Um, so, you know, I would take that report as actually, you know, in the same vein as everything else we've had in the last few days. We also had uh, on Wednesday advanced trade in the US for October, and there the deficit grew uh, unexpectedly to almost 90 billion uh, from 86.8, uh, higher than forecast. All else equal, that sets Q4 off to a potentially larger drag from net trade. Uh, when that you know when the next GDP numbers are, are produced for Q4, um, of course we we need to get the November and December numbers, but that, that's that's not a good uh, not not a good start to that. The bizarre thing as well uh, in the US is house prices are keep on rising. So a new record in September, according to S and B, uh, the the core logic, uh, Case Shiller National Home Price Index up three point nine percent in a year, even with mortgage rates the highest they've been in twenty years. But we know that's you know less surprise uh, supply. So maybe as rates come down, supply will increase, and ironically prices will start to normalise. But uh, where are we going with bond yields? Because Treasuries haven't moved far today, but uh, just adding to the rally, yields you know down a little. But Bloomberg says the US Aggregate Bonds Index, which measures returns, has risen 4.3% this month, the biggest increase since 1985. Um, you know, which you know, if we ignore the last few years, would, would be fantastic. But uh, yes, I mean, when people say bonds are back, that is why. Yeah, I mean, look, we know, go back referencing the, the CPI report two weeks ago, we know markets took time out from the move lower in yields and the dollar last week, you know, after some sizable moves on that CPI report. But this week, and I think, you know, ahead of these two big inflation reports from Europe and the US later today, the move in the yields has all been one way and the dollar, really. So, you know, you talk about yields on the day, we're still 
eight basis points down in the twos, t- you know, six down in the tens in the US, 32 basis points down in two-year yields this 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 week, 24 in the tens. Similar moves in Europe and elsewhere. Note the Italian 10-year yields. They were at 4.2% in September when we just started off on that really, you know, aggressive bear steepener move that took yields pretty much everywhere in Australia, Europe, the US. You know, we saw 5% in many jurisdictions. Back down to 4.2% today. Um, the US 10-year year, we're back down to that 425, 430 area again before that bear steepener. Notable in, in this is, is, is the curve is now bull steepening. So shorter term yields are coming off more quickly than longer term yields in anticipation of easier policy to come. And while last week we saw some, some sort of taking back of that pricing in of rate cuts last uh, for next year. So 25 basis points was pulled out really much of the US, Eurozone and the UK. That's all back in and more now. I mean, the US today, as we as we speak, is priced 115 basis point of cuts through next year. The ECB 100. The Bank of England, not quite 75. I think I think that's the, you know the reason for the lag there is because you know the Bank of England have been the most fervent really in pushing back against this market pricing of rate cuts, whereas as we saw from Wally yesterday, uh, you know a hawk, and we heard today from uh, Atlanta Fed Bostic uh, playing to the same tune, expects inflation trajectory to continue lower, believes economic activity will slow in the coming months, tighter financial conditions are biting harder, all that kind of stuff. There was some pushback from Thomas Barkin, uh, his colleague, who took the other side. You know, He seemed to think that um, he actually said markets have a different forecast to me and that uh, he's not prepared to take another hike off the table. I think, I think uh, you know, in terms of the the voices that really matter on the Fed, the ones the market is listening to at the moment, seems to be um, the direction of travel is clear, isn't it? And um, and and I think you know, how have we come out the other side of the of the PCE and the eurozone inflation later today? Plus, Powell tomorrow is obviously going to decide whether we're going to continue with this move or whether we're going to, um, you know, pause for a bit of time. Well, you know, that uh, PCE and those inflation numbers in Europe, they are certainly the big ones today. Uh, also, we get unemployment as well for Germany and the euro area. We get retail sales in Europe for Germany, Holland, Greece. Uh, we get uh, Canada's GDP number for Q3. It was uh, flat last time. Uh, we also get average weekly earnings for Canada. Lots of housing and credit data for Australia, including private capex, plant and machinery capex, housing approvals, housing credit, and uh, lots of numbers from Japan as well, including foreign bond investment, foreign stock investment, industrial production, retail sales, and PMIs for China, importantly. The manufacturing number's been uh, wallowing below 50. Could it move into expansionary territory? So there's a, a, just a, a, a mass of data uh, to look out for today. A data overload. It's going to keep everyone busy, isn't it? Good to talk, Gavin. Thanks, Phil. And that is the morning call for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow. And don't forget, weekend edition as well. Tomorrow afternoon, Ross McEwen, the CEO of NAB, will be joining me on that. Thanks for listening today. Catch you tomorrow.